0: Prophesied of a unique time on earth. Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. Let's see here. Today is 12 August 2018, Sunday. Time for the prophecy update of the week. I have a, a bandana on, it wasn't sent to me, it was actually handed to me by somebody that went traveling. Ray here got me a bandana from Alaska, and it's got all of Alaska on it and the map. And uh, So I usually find a bandana to go with my shirt, but I knew I'd wear this bandana today, so I had to find a shirt to go with my bandana. So there you go, wonderful stuff, and it's one of those like uh, the guy from the Philippines Tito brought me, it's it's not really a bandana, it's just like a sock. and. Uh, isn't that cool, you know? But when you put it on, it looks like a bandana and it's super comfortable and you don't have to go fiddling with it. It just gets right onto your head and that's it. So there you go. Ray was going to wear his, but he decided. Uh, to. Yeah, Ray was going to wear his, but uh, one of these days, everybody ought to come in here with a bandana on. That's what I think. Let's see here. We have um, our first category, as always, is Israel. From the times of Israel. I just thought this was interesting. Um, there was a lot of news coming out of Israel this week. You know, bombs being sent in. I, I listened to all of them. We were having dinner here. And in uh, just a day 150 bombs went into Gaza and of course Israel responded before they even had a chance to really respond Hamas declared yeah, peace we want peace it's just insane but I don't want to talk about that everybody's seen that on the news um, this is Times of Israel fake Russian social media accounts sought to influence U.S. Israel ties so there's always a reason behind people doing stuff and I just thought this was cool Russian social media accounts have sought to influence relations between the U.S. and Israel You wonder what they have to benefit from these things, but there's always a plan. Researchers from Clemson University found that of nearly 3 million posts flagged as being from fake accounts out of so-called Russian troll farms, tens of thousands of them had to do with Israel and the broader region. Sixty percent of the posts on Israel worked to bolster the relationship between Prime Minister Netanyahu and President Trump. Oftentimes, while criticizing former American President Boring Obama, for example, some of the posts read that Trump and Netanyahu were jointly exposing Obama's failures. Meanwhile, a quarter of the posts highlighted corruption investigations into Netanyahu's conduct or attacked him from the left, while the remaining 15% were related to news reports. According to the researchers, about 60% of these fabricated tweets were pretending to support Bibi. Or, attack the Obama admin in reference to the Netanyahu government. Or, position Trump and Bibi together against Obama. The Russian accounts were not trying to influence the Israeli conversation, but rather the American one, where the Jewish state has become a more polarizing issue isn't that interesting and now all of these troll farms there's no doubt that Putin is aware of them he's probably directing half of them if not all of them so he's trying to get his angle in to our government towards Israel against Israel they're working on both sides but it's very interesting what's going on trolls try to encourage the right in the political division of the US also the far right in order that it will have a positive opinion of Netanyahu other posts however attacked Israel labeling it an apartheid state and criticizing Netanyahu. The tweets concerning Israel were a part of 2,973,371 Twitter posts from fake accounts compiled by the Clemson researchers and uploaded to the Internet in concert with the 538 website. The posts came from some 2,848 accounts tied into the Internet Research Agency, a so-called troll farm based in St. Petersburg, Russia. If you get what they are alluding to, as best as I can read from that part of that article, is that it is an attempt to continue to divide the left and the right in the United States by using Israel as a wedge. Okay, So that's just the way that the Russians have been working in all kinds of areas. Now, if you're insane like uh, Senator Nelson, uh, what's his name, Bill Nelson, who claimed that the, the, uh, what do you call it, Um, uh, Russians are... In the Florida elections, he made an unsubstantiated claim. He's a liar, and uh, he's also—I would like to say this—if he's a Democrat and therefore he is a murderer of unborn children. Okay. He, also knows he's gonna get dusted. he is going to get dusted by our Rick Scott. I hope. I hope that Nelson has had his political career ended because he's been a bad senator for Florida. He's not a good senator. I don't care if he was an astronaut or not. That means diddly. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Here we go, Christian news today. I know it was just one article on Israel. The reason why is because Christian news takes up two and a half pages. This is one article, it's very long. This is the heart of prophecy. If you don't want to learn doctrine, then you're just watching a bunch of videos and you're getting your ears tickled and you're learning stuff that doesn't matter more than a week or two down the road, okay? what i 'm going to talk about now is going to cover it's going to cover Israel because the guy is a jew it 's going to cover Christianity because we hold to the bible it 's going to cover morality in its own way it 's a very sad thing. This article came out about a week and a half ago. I immediately emailed this doctor from Harvard and I told him where he was wrong. And he has not responded, but I told him, you know, if you want to get good theology, you can watch the Superior Word website, Leviticus Sermons, because they will address the very issue that you are abusing. So here we go. Um, You know, before I get into this, though, one passage, and I have repeated again and again and again, is from Ezekiel 38. And every time these Jewish people that do these type of things, which you're going to hear about, stand up and make these proclamations against God's word, this verse comes to mind. I'm going to read it to you. It's Ezekiel 38, uh, I'm sorry, 36 verse 22. It says, therefore say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, meaning returning them to the land, giving them the land, putting his hand back on them with divine protection. He says, but for my Holy namesake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went and wherever you still are, including this gentleman from Harvard. Here we go. New York Times, The Secret History of Leviticus. Ooh, sounds good, right? By Idan Dershowitz. Dr. Dershowitz is a biblical scholar. Not a very good one, I'll tell you that. No text has had greater influence on attitudes towards gay people than the biblical book of Leviticus, which prohibits sex between men. Before Leviticus was composed, outright prohibitions against homosexual sex, whether between men or women, were practically unheard of in the ancient world. That is what we would call as irrelevant. It has nothing to do with the story at hand. He's making a commentary on the book of Leviticus, and he adds in something which is irrelevant. That's, what do you call it, a red herring or a, yeah, okay. So, he's he's already added a fallacy in at the very beginning of his article. Okay, chapter 18 of Leviticus contains a list of forbidden incestuous acts followed by prohibitions against sex with a woman who's, you know, at a certain time of month, bestiality, and various other sexual acts. In verse 22, we find the most famous injunction, you shall not lie with a male as with a woman, it is an abomination. So Leviticus 20, 13 repeats this law along with a punishment for those who violate it. They shall be put to death, their blood is upon them. Okay? Now he gets into his deep, Levitical scholarly analysis here. Like many ancient texts, Leviticus was created gradually over a long period and includes the words of more than one writer. Absolutely no proof of that at all. We went through that in Bible class this past Thursday. We've gone through it in our sermons. That's what's known as the documentary hypothesis, okay? What's his name? Julius Wellhausen is the one that came up with this originally, and they cite different sources. Oh, well, this guy wrote this line. He's a priest, and this guy wrote this line. He believes in Elohim. This guy wrote this line. He's a Yahwehist, and then this guy wrote this line, and he is a um, Uh, Deuteronomist, so they have J-E-D-P. They've got four divisions, and they say, well, they divide up the whole Bible into these different people that wrote these things, and it is completely refuted, completely refuted by something called chiasms in the Bible. Wouldn't wouldn't the... uh, Dead sea Scrolls also the Dead Sea Scrolls don't, because they, they come much later. This was Leviticus was written uh, uh, by Moses about 1450 B.C. The Dead Sea Scrolls come much, much later, about 1 to 200 B.C. So anyway, these chiasms I was talking about show patterns within the books of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy that are impossible if you had different authors in there. If you want to know what a chiasm is, go to my other website, wonderfulone.com, and I've got a page called Chiasms in the Bible, and you can look at them. They're beautiful, they're marvelous, they're symmetrical, they cannot be done by different people and come out with the result that you have. Despite that, though, he's saying that was created gradually over a long period, includes the words of more than one writer. Many scholars believe, which is irrelevant, the only thing that matters is what the Word of God says. The book claims to be written by Moses. Jesus proclaims that it was written by Moses. The entire Christian faith is based on the words of Jesus. And if he is wrong about that, then there is no Christian faith. And then, if it was written by a bunch of people later, about the time of Daniel or the Babylonian exile, then in fact, he is, why even be a scholar of that document? Because it makes no difference in the world. He's claiming to be a biblical scholar of a document that is irrelevant because it was written by a bunch of people and it has no bearing at all. So you see the folly of his entire life. His life work means nothing because he doesn't believe that the document that he is supposedly proclaiming has any validity. It's crazy. Okay. Um, It says uh, many scholars believe that the section Leviticus 18 was added by a comparatively late editor. Perhaps one who worked more than a century after the oldest material in the book was composed. An earlier edition of Leviticus, then, may have been silent on the matter of sex between men. But I think, once again, I think, without any substantiation, a stronger claim can be warranted. There's good evidence that an earlier version of the laws in Leviticus 18 permitted sex between men. In addition to having the prohibition against same-sex relations added to it, the earlier text, I believe, once again he says, was revised in an attempt to obscure any implication that same-sex relations had once been permissible. So he's saying it was originally A-OK and somebody went in and changed it, so it's not okay. The uh, chapter's original character, however, can be uncovered with a little detective work. So he's Sherlock Holmes, he's got his backward hat on, and he's got his spy and he's looking at the, the d- document saying, "We can we can figure this out, right? The core of Leviticus 18 is the list of incest laws, each of which includes the memorable phrase, uncover nakedness. You know that because we said it 8,000 times as we were going through the book of Leviticus. Every We went through every single line of the book of Leviticus, word for word, and we did our sermons based on them, on the word of God. Okay, so you're all aware of what that means. Uncover your nakedness. This is typically understood as a euphemism for, you know, a man and a woman doing it. So you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister would mean something like, you do not have sex with your father's sister. And we all know that that is correct because we went through the the document. Most of the incest laws are presented in a straightforward manner, but two are not. The first exception is the nakedness of your father and the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother, you shall not uncover her nakedness. And he highlights the last clause, she is your mother, you shall not uncover her nakedness. He says, at first, the verse appears to outlaw sex between a man and either of his parents, which it does not. But that is where he makes his fatal mistake in his incorrect analysis, and everything devolves from there. He says, I'm going to read it again so you can see his wrong logic. The nakedness of your father and the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. She is your mother, you shall not uncover her nakedness. So you see, he's saying it's two separate things, and it originally was not with your dad or with your mom, now it's only your mom in the second clause. That's what he's saying. It doesn't say that at all. You cannot get that from a right reading of the book of Leviticus. At first, this verse appears to... Outlaw sex between a man and either of his parents. However, the italicized explanation or gloss, which means it's a writing, it's a margin note or a footnote, which is added in, suggests that the law actually addresses only one parent, the mother. It's difficult, he says, to reconcile the two parts of this sentence. It is not difficult. A peanut head could do it if they knew their Bible this much, and I'm going to take you to where we have the answer to that very difficult conundrum that this, this Harvard scholar, this doctor of theology has found himself in. I'm going to take you to Genesis. I'm going to take you to chapter 2 of Genesis. And I'm going to take you to the 24th verse of chapter 2 of the book of Genesis. It says there, I'll read you verse 23. How's that? And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Answer to your dilemma there. Learn your Bible and you won't come to these unfounded conclusions and bring disgrace upon the name of God and of your people, Israel, exactly as the Bible said you would. We'll go on. The same thing happens again a few verses later. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. Simple enough, right? The following gloss, however, added in, however, may give you whiplash. Ooh, and I've got it already. Ow, Oh, You shall not approach his wife. She is your aunt. By the time we finished reading the gloss, a prohibition against intercourse between a man and his paternal uncle is transformed into a law about sex between a man and that uncle's wife. Not at all. The only thing it is, is it says you shall not uncover the nakedness of your father or your mother. You shall not uncover your mother's nakedness. She is your mother. Same thing with the uncle. The reason why is because the first clause explains the second clause. By sleeping with your mother, you are uncovering your father's nakedness because they are one flesh this is what is addressed believe it or not in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 okay sexual immorality a man has his father's brother or uh, yes his father's mother uh, his father's wife anyway sorry about that Um, yeah 1 Corinthians chapter 5 addresses that as well so um, let the nakedness this is verse 7 the nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover she is your mother You shall not uncover her nakedness. This is my comment from the sermon that we did in Leviticus. So I'm going to refresh your memory from that. That's why I added this in the middle. Okay. The word or here. Is not correct I use the New King James version for my translations of the Bible when there is an error I always highlight that okay the word or here and I'm gonna read it again so you understand what's going on the nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover she is your mother you shall not uncover her nakedness or is incorrect why because it's speaking of one flesh it should be and the word or here is not correct the second sentence explains the first it should say the nakedness of your father and the nakedness of your mother you shall not uncover. As the father and mother are one flesh due to their union, a son sleeping with his mother would then uncover both her nakedness and the father's. This is then further defined by the next verse, verse 8 of Leviticus. The nakedness of your father's wife you shall not uncover. It is your father's nakedness. My comments again, a man is not to have sex with his father's wife even if she is not the person's mother. This would then also uncover the father's nakedness. It is something that actually occurred when Reuben, the eldest of Jacob, slept with Bilhah, his father's concubine, something we're going to refer to in our sermon today. And I didn't even plan it that way. It just happens. Okay. Absalom also slept with his father, David's concubines in 2 Samuel 16. It also occurred in the early church, as is recorded in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul fully condemned this occurrence. So we have three examples in the Bible. If the guy's a Bible scholar, even if he's only an Old Testament scholar, he needs to know the New Testament to understand the context. He is a poor scholar at best. We'll go on. Each verse in Leviticus 18, series of incest laws contains a similar gloss, but the others are merely emphatic, driving home the point. For example, you shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. Only in these two cases, the father and the mother, and the father's brother, do the glosses alter our understanding of what is prohibited. Only because they're married. That's why. He's just a very bad analyzer of scripture. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. He goes on, what we have here is strong evidence of editorial intervention. It is worth noting that these new glosses render the idiom uncover nakedness incoherent. Well, that's because you don't know your Bible. I explained it right out of Genesis 2.44. It doesn't just make it coherent. It makes it absolutely certain what is being said. The phrase can no longer denote sex if uncovering the nakedness of one's father is an act that also involves one's mother, as the gloss implies. But more strikingly, the two exceptional verses Are the only ones that address incest between men. All the others involve women. My comment simply because all male sex is already forbidden. Thus, the one verse alone is sufficient to define all such acts. That's the key there. He goes on once the new glosses were added to the text, the prohibitions in Leviticus against incest no longer outlawed any same sex couplings. He's just insane only heterosexual pairs were forbidden my analysis smooth by eliminating the meaning of uncover nakedness you may now redefine the Word of God according to your own perverse mores this is why we are in this church is not to learn prophecy about the moon turning to blood and all those crazy things we are in the Word of God to learn it to understand it and to take it in its full context so that when we speak about prophecy, we are speaking about it in a united way, not pulling things out of the air and saying, well, this is prophecy because we take the entire Bible in context. And this is why I highlighted this particular article above everything else this week is because it is that important. Because if somebody can do that with something so basic, So basic and common in the Holy Bible, he can do it with prophecy as well. And that's why when you watch these prophecy updates and you sit there pulling on your face and you're getting all anxious about what's coming on the world, you have not taken the word of God in the proper context. You could ignore 99% of the prophecy updates out there and be just as sound as you could possibly be. Otherwise, you're just getting all this bad information thrown into you. Go ahead. You have something. He just pushed all of his lesbian friends under the bus. That's right. He pushed all of his lesbian friends under the bus with what, yeah, absolutely right. Okay, let me go on with this. If a later editor of Leviticus opposed homosexual intercourse, you might wonder, wouldn't it have made more sense for him, and it was probably a him, he's making sure that was a guy that wrote this, to leave the original bans on homosexual incest intact? No. The key to understanding this editorial decision is the concept of the exception proves the rule. He's using a rule that has nothing to do with the Bible, and he's throwing it in there. According to this principle, the presence of an exception indicates the existence of a broader rule. And then he gives an example. For example, a sign declaring an office to be closed on Sundays suggests that the office is open all other days of the week. Now apply this principle to Leviticus 18, a law declaring that homosexual incest is prohibited could reasonably be taken to indicate that non-incestuous homosexual intercourse is permitted. That's what he's, so he's, he's pulling a fast one here, okay? He goes on. And you wonder why people are so theologically confused in this world that they actually stand in the pulpit and they, or people listen to people that stand in the pulpit and proclaim this. Because they don't know the Word of God. They say, This guy is a doctor in theology. I can go do all the perverse things I want and I may be okay with God. Okay, let's go on. He says, a lawmaker is unlikely to specify that murdering one's father is against the law if there's already a blanket injunction against murder. And as I said, it already says elsewhere in scripture that a man shall not sleep with a man. So he's even violating his own principle when he comes up with this. By the same token, it's not necessary to stipulate that sex between two specific men is forbidden if a categorical prohibition against sex between men is already on the books. It seems that with the later introduction in Leviticus of a law banning all-male homosexual intercourse, it became expedient to bring the earlier material up to date by doing away with two now superfluous injunctions against homosexual incest, injunctions that made sense when sex between men was otherwise allowed. This guy is absolutely perverse in everything that he is thinking. We know so much more about him because of his argument. That's exactly right. We we know his argument. We know more about him because of his argument. That's exactly right. This editor's decision is to neutralize old laws by writing new glosses instead of deleting the laws altogether. It is serendipitous. He left behind just enough clues for his handiwork to be perceptible. One can only imagine how different the history of civilization might have been had the earlier version of Leviticus 18's laws entered the biblical canon. Yeah, we can imagine what it would have been like. If Moses didn't say these words and people didn't take them in the proper context, the world would have devolved 2,000 years ago instead of happening now at this time with people like that teaching in theological seminaries. Harvard was started as a theological seminary to proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to this new world. And you see how far they have fallen, that they are allowing people like this into their professorships. And we've got people in pulpits that are doing these type of things. And it's absolutely crazy. But if that doesn't interest you, if you don't find that as important, then I have to question your reasoning completely. Because that is the heart of prophecy right there. That is somebody taking the word of God and manipulating it. And the reason why I brought that up is because that is what 90% of the prophecy updates out there do. They take things completely out of context. They add things into the word of God. They add things that are superfluous. They twist the word of God and they come up with prophecy updates that have no bearing in reality. I'm not trying to say that you need to watch the superior word prophecy update. But if you're going to watch a prophecy update, you need to have discernment. It's like reading articles in the news today. There are all kinds of sites out there that take things and they completely twist them, completely. And without some discernment, you're going to be led down any primrose path that those people want you to go down. Be discerning, but above all, read the word of God, understand the word of God, and when you are when you are challenged, because I have had people in my life, as a matter of fact, I got an email yesterday from somebody who's... Uh, family member they, I don't know who they are and I don't know the, the connotation but somebody's family member is stuck in homosexuality and their question was how do I handle that as a Christian well that's happened to me many times in the past three or four years and if I didn't know the answer to this then they come home with this guy's analysis and they say see it's okay how do you defend against that know the word of God above all else know the word of God If you watch three prophecy updates a week, that's fine. Then watch 27 sermons after that. Have a nine-to-three ratio or nine-to-one ratio or something, okay? Be discerning, be wise, but know the word of God above all else. That is where it's important. Everything else is secondary to that. From Islam Today, from the Jerusalem Post, report Hamas expected to agree to five-year ceasefire with Israel. Now, I added this in, and then all of the things happened with Hamas during the week. But this predates that, but it's still important. They are still working on it. The UN and Egypt are still working on this. Hamas delegation from abroad entered the Gaza Strip from Egypt through the Rafah crossing in order to discuss a proposed ceasefire agreement with Israel. Under discussion is a comprehensive deal. That would entail the improvement of humanitarian conditions in Gaza and the undertaking of large infrastructure projects, including a seaport in the Egyptian city of Ismailia and a Sinai airport that would serve Gaza residents. The goal of the visit is to reach a decision regarding a long-term ceasefire with Israel. Following indirect negotiations between the group's leaders and Israel through the auspices of Egyptian intelligence Now I'm going to stop right there before I go on. I'm going to tell you why this is interesting I'm going to read you the title again. I want you to think about it while I'm going on Hamas expected to agree to five-year ceasefire with Israel is this going to happen? Yes. No, it's not so The Bible says there will be a seven-year peace deal. This is with Hamas only. This is not with all of the Fakistinians. You have to have Fatah and Hamas in there, okay? They're going to be united somehow, and then they will make an agreement with Israel, okay? Hamas is on one side, Fatah is on the other, and they're not speaking right now, okay? So it's a five-year peace deal. But as I say again and again, the insane thing about this is that anybody would make... Any duration of a peace deal, three years, five years, seven years, it makes no sense. If you're going to make peace with somebody, you make peace with them. That's the thing that is interesting about these peace deals is they keep coming up with set dates, like you're going to be at peace for five years and then you can go blow each other up again. It doesn't make any sense. But this is what the Bible said would happen 2,700 years ago from the hand of Daniel, Daniel 9, 24 through 27. And who on earth would believe that, that they would make a seven-year covenant? Who would believe that? And yet that's what the Bible proclaims, and that is what everybody keeps doing. They keep picking out number of years, 10-year peace deal, 5-year peace deal, 3-year peace deal. It doesn't make any sense unless you understand that these people are being directed by a higher power, by higher powers. There's a war going on in the spiritual realms. Let's go on now. Hamas's parliamentary council will take part in the final decision. Sources close to Hamas said that the agreement will stretch for five years and will be conducted in stages. Now listen to the stages. One, it will entail an end to the weekly protests dubbed the Great March of Return, including the launching of incendiary balloons and kites. In exchange, the Karem Shalom crossing will be reopened and the Rafah crossing will be open permanently. Two, the stage involves improving the standard of living of Gaza residents and the total removal of the blockage on the Strip. In parallel, Israel will allow the entry of all manner of goods into Gaza and will increase the amount of electricity in the Gaza power grid. In stage 3... The UN will begin work on humanitarian projects that it had approved in the past, such as the construction of a port in Ismailia in Egypt, opening an airport on Egyptian territory, constructing a power station in the Sinai Peninsula, and finally, a thorough rebuilding of the Strip. What is the problem with those three steps? Can anybody tell me? Everything to the to the to Hamas. Nothing. Israel gets nothing out of it. They're already sending in the incendiary fire balloons, and Israel has to respond to them. So that's their give, is we're going to stop sending in fire balloons to you. Everything goes to them. Nothing. There's no acknowledgement of the state of Israel. None of that. They didn't mention any of that. And without that, why would Israel bargain at all. Why would they do that? So keep this in your mind. Changes are coming in the world. Deals are being submitted. But unless one, it is by a Roman, as it clearly says in Daniel 9:24 through 27. Let me read it to you so you know what I'm talking about. And unless it's a seven-year peace deal... Don't bother with it. Don't get excited about it. Don't point fingers at people. He's the Antichrist. This guy is, you know, going to destroy Russia or this guy's going to destroy America or whatever. It it isn't until we see the act. And we're not going to see it because we're pre-tribulation rapture believers in this church because that's what the Bible teaches. We're not going to be here for that seven-year peace deal. But here's what it says. Then he shall confirm a... I'm sorry, I'm going to go back to verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, Messiah shall be cut off. That's Christ dying, but not for himself. And the people, the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Who destroyed the city and the sanctuary? The Romans, the Romans okay? The end of it shall be with a flood, and till the end of the war, desolations are determined. Verse 27 gives you the answer of who is going to sign this peace deal. Then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week. He is the prince to come. The people of the prince to come destroyed the sanctuary. He is of the people of the prince who is to come. He is a Roman. When a Roman comes in and makes the peace deal, and I'm talking about the Roman Empire of some sort. It doesn't mean he has to be from Rome, but he will be a part of the Roman Empire. He's not an American. He's not a Russian. He's not any of those things, okay? The Bible is clear. Keep things in context. Understand what is being said, and come to sound conclusions In what you believe. Okay, we'll go on. Times of Israel. Israel lodges formal complaint over BBC coverage of Gaza violence. This happened on three or four news services. Israeli airstrikes. This is BBC's reporting of that. They had already sent in 150 missiles into Israel. Not a word about that. We sat and had dinner. And while we were having dinner, this was going on. Not a word of that. What does BBC report? Israel airstrikes kill pregnant woman and baby. Never mentioning that bombs were falling in private homes and private areas, you know, all of these different things. Indiscriminate bombing of civilians. Not a word of that. Instead, they focus on that. So later, they changed their uh, title. It was still completely biased against Israel. But there you go. This happened in Mail Online. It happened in an Australian newspaper. Complete bias against Israel. Times of Israel. Kushner said, pushing to close UNRWA. This is something that I reported on last year, probably, maybe earlier this year, and he is now pushing this. This is a great thing. He's going to close UNRWA, and refugee status for Fakistinian millions. If you remember, the law of a um, person who is considered a refugee is a person that is a Refugee, Somebody that has left their home. They are no longer in their homeland, okay? The only group of people on this planet that have been given permanent refugee status from generation to generation is the Fakistinians. There are actually only a few thousand refugees left that left back in 1948. There are only, they are not that many. Most of them have died. They're old and they're dead. But they have continued to grant them this status against international law. Okay, And so now they have got this giant body of people called fake Palestinian refugees, which numbers in the millions, and they say, we demand right of return back to Israel, when in fact they were never in Israel and they're not refugees. Okay, so here's what he is doing. Jared Kushner, President Trump's senior advisor and son-in-law, has been pushing to remove the refugee status of millions of fakes as part of an apparent effort to shutter the UN Agency for Fake Refugees. Our goal can't be to keep things stable as they are. Sometimes you have to strategically risk breaking things in order to get there. He added in the email, according to foreign policy, uniquely UNRWA grants refugee status to all descendants of Palestinians who left or fled Israel with the establishment of the state in 1948, swelling the number to an estimated 5 million at present. When the number of actual refugees from that conflict is estimated to be in the low tens of thousands. In peace talks, the Phakistinian leadership has always demanded a right of return to Israel for these millions, an influx that, if accepted by Israel, would spell the end of Israel as a majority Jewish state. Instantly, it would stop being Israel, it would become Fakistine, and all the Jews would be killed. It's not going to happen, okay? This is unrealistic, and it is the only place on this planet where they're doing this. It's because it is an anti-Zionist, anti-Jewish movement which is going on. Be aware of what's going on. Mongolia today from Xinhua 63 killed in Mongolian floods. I didn't even know about this until I read it here earlier in the week. Floods in Mongolia have killed 63 people, including 15 children so far this year, the National Emergency Management Agency said. Two deaths were reported last weekend. The NEMA said, warning that the water in major rivers had risen to dangerous levels and urging residents living along rivers to take precautions. Heavy downpours have been hitting Mongolia since the beginning of July, triggering massive flooding in some areas. Meteorologists said the heavy rainfall will not stop until mid-August. So they got more flooding ahead of them, and it's very sad. From Daniel 12 Technology Today, from End Gadget. I've got two articles on the same subject, but it's really interesting. Scientists successfully transplant lab-grown lungs into pigs. They're actually able to grow lungs now and put them into a pig and the pig will live. Lab-grown organ transplants aren't right around the corner, but they may be considerably closer than you think. University of Texas Medical Branch researchers have successfully tested bioengineered lungs in adult pigs with no signs of medical complications. While it's not certain how effective the lungs were at oxygenating the pigs, they developed a sturdy network of blood vessels needed to survive. The challenge, as you might guess, was producing a full structure that the pigs' bodies would accept. The team accomplished this by creating a lung scaffold from the organ of another animal using both detergent and sugar to wipe out the cells in the blood. Only the proteins were left, so you've got a matrix, which is just hanging there like a, you know, like a honeycomb or something. Okay? After that, they immersed the scaffold in a tank filled with nutrients and added the pig's own lung tissue cells using a carefully designed protocell, or recipe. It took 30 days to foster the organs before they were ready for transplants. In one month, they could grow a lung for a pig. Now, think of, think of that for people that have lung cancer or other debilitating diseases if they can get this perfected. It says... Um, uh, they didn't need infusions to keep working. So they just put it in and the thing took off and squealed away. Okay. <laughs> Next big feature says in five years, in five years, lab grown organs could start helping 115,000 in the United States waiting for organs. They think they can do this in five years. We'll probably be in the end times by then, but whatever. We might not be. It might be another 150 years. So let's just um, uh, not be too crazy about it. But uh, you know, Israel's back in the land. They are the key to the whole thing. All of these things are going on, suggested peace treaties and everything. we got to be pretty close. Anyway, bioengineered lungs have been grown in a Texas lab and transported, transplanted into adult pigs with no medical complication. Transported. You know, you just push a button and it beams into the pig. Sorry about that. Anyway, this could begin solving the human transplant problem starting in about five years. They could grow lungs to transplant into people in compassionate use circumstances within five to 10 years. The number of people who have developed severe lung injuries has increased worldwide, while the number of available transplantable organs have decreased. Our ultimate goal is to eventually provide new options for the many people awaiting a transplant. That is, uh, that is astonishing to me that they have actually grown a workable lung, put it in an animal, and it can live without all the in- incredible revelation plagues today. Okay, last week, it was uh, number seven largest uh, fire in California's history. In one week, that changed. Devastating twin blazes in Northern California expanded nearly 80% over the weekend, scorching nearly 443 square miles to become the largest wildfire in state history. Once again, as I reported last week, 90% of all fires are man-made. Man goes out and starts them. Almost all of these in California have been, but more than that. Why are we having these devastating fires? Next article. Okay, here we go. From Daily Wire. California burns the new normal thanks to Obama-era environmental regs. Listen to this. This is exactly right because this is what they did in Montana where my friend lived. And when I went out and traveled to 50 states in Montana, there are pole pines killed by these beetles. As far as the eye can see, forests of dead trees. And what happens when one of them gets lit? it turns into an inferno, right? kills everything there and it takes out the live trees next to them as well, okay? So uh, that was because liberals got into Montana and they said, we don't want you to cut any of these pole pines down. Uh, Here we go. Here we go. This past week, the New York Times reported on California's wildfire stating that since 2012, according to a state emergency management officials, there has not been a month without a wildfire burning. A stark contrast to previous decades when fire officials saw the fall and winter as a time to plan and regroup. What's the significance of 2012? As California burns, many have been asking why the dramatic increase in wildfires in the last five years, except for Governor Brown. Governor Brown claims that devastating fires are the new normal. Yes, supporting Obama-era regs have resulted in the new normal, an endless and devastating fire season. Obama-era eco-terrorism through environmental regulations under Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack. The Obama admin finalized a rule governing the management of 193 million acres of national forests and grasslands, establishing a new blueprint to guide everything from logging to recreation and renewable energy development. The Washington Post reported in 2012... The rule will serve as the guiding document for individual forest plans, which spell out exactly how these lands can be used. This is what happens when you let the government get into your back pocket and into your Life, okay? It says these Obama era regs introduced excessive layers of bureaucracy that blocked proper forest management and increased environmental litigation and costs. A result of far too many radical environmentalists, bureaucrats, leftist politicians, and judicial activists who would rather let forests burn. Then let anyone thin out overgrown trees or let professional loggers harvest usable timber left from beetle infestation or selectively cut timber. Eco purists want no cutting, no thinning, no using fire retardants in sensitive areas because the chemicals might get into the streams that would be boiled away by conflagrations. They prevent homeowners from clearing brush around their homes because it might provide cover or habitat for endangered species and other critters that will get incinerated or lose their forage, prey and habitats in the next blaze. They rarely alter their policies during drought years. The resulting fires are not the forest rejuvenating blazes of environmental lore. They are cauldron-hot conflagrations that exterminate wildlife habitats, roast bald eagle and spotted owl fledglings alive in their nests, boil away trout and trout streams, leave surviving animals to starve, and incinerate every living organism in already thin soils that then get washed away during future downpours and snow melts. Areas incinerated by such fires don't recover their arboreal diversity for. Decades, And that is exactly what's going on. That's why we're having these is because of leftists in our government. But you know what it is? I'm going to read you what it is. Where does this stem from? I've got to find the verse. It'll take me a second to find it. It says, Agenda 21. But there's more than that. There's a reason why this is going on. It says here in... um, Verse 20 of Romans chapter 1, For since the creation of the world is invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four footed animals and creeping things. And then he goes on in verse um, 25, though who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. In other words, they have elevated the creation above man and above the creator himself. God gave us this world to use, to be productive with, to cut down trees, to make houses and build ships and all that. And they don't want that. They want to elevate the creature and the creation above God himself. So that's what's going on. That is the ultimate. Call it whatever agenda, whatever name you want. It comes down to a hatred of God and his word. That's what's going on from Fox. Commerce chief scolds California over the environmental policies. He says, hinder firefighters. Lives are at stake. They can't even go in and do their job because they've got all these environmental regulations. Well, you can't spray there, and you can't do this. And so let it burn. Let it burn. Morality. From the Telegraph, NHS must offer, this is England, must offer fertility treatment to trans patients or face legal action. This is the inevitable result of these type of laws. You say, well, you know, you you can't be unfriendly to trans people, and then next thing they get another foot in the door, and and pretty soon now the people of the society have to fund what they want, or they'll get sued. The NHS must offer these from treatments to trans patients awaiting transitional treatment or risk-breaking anti-discrimination legislation. The EHRC accused the NHS of using an interpretation of its own legal powers that allowed it to deflect criticism over lack of fertility provision onto the government. So they're trying to cut their costs because they're already a basket case because it's socialized medicine over there. They say, why would we pay for that when we've got people that are literally dying in our hospitals? So we're not going to do this. And these people come and so we have to do this so there you go it says um, transitioning treatment is given to patients with gender dysphoria and can result in fertility loss well it should I'm a guy I want to be a girl why should I be a fertile guy anymore it doesn't make any sense it says uh, the EHRC said trans patients should be offered the opportunity to store their eggs or sperm I don't want to be a man why would I store the part that made me a man why would I do that But you see what's going on? We're just going to destroy the world. We're going to work against God. We're going to do all these perverse things. We're going to call them good. Otherwise, thousands could be forced to choose between the essential medical treatment. This is now essential medical treatment and not having their own biological children, which is I don't want to be a man. I want to be a girl. So why should I have my own biological children? It doesn't make any sense, but this is the state that we have come to in this world. The EHRC issued a legal letter to NHS England claiming that the withholding of fertility treatments from trans patients constituted discrimination. It also warned that it would take legal action if policies were not changed. News Australia says Victorian public servants ordered, if you are a public servant in Australia... You are ordered to use gender-neutral pronouns for they-day. You no longer, yeah, they have they-day now. Yes, right here. Victorian government staff are being asked to avoid using gendered language and instead use pronouns such as they or them. The Department of Health and Human Services is promoting the first Wednesday of every month Every month is they day, yes. The non-binary identities are just as valid as binary gender identities. An email sent to the department's 10,000 staff said, names don't always correspond to a person's gender. They may be a gap between a person's gender identity and your perception of the person. Saying they is more flowing and inclusive than saying he or she. They Day is an initiative of the department's pride network. The Australian reported other Victorian government departments will consider adopting They Day, while DHHS will possibly label bathroom facilities to meet specific needs of non-binary, gender-fluid, transgender, or intersex employees. Here we are. So Here we are. Yeah, it's crazy. From CNN. One good thing in this week's morality section. Oh, Wonderful no, stuff. So Argentina's Senate rejects proposed bill to legalize abortion. Oh. Thank goodness. Somebody used yeah. their sense once. Wow. I know it's Catholic Nation. I don't care what the reason is. Human lives will not be lost for a while at least. Good news. Our other category Mail Online. A war zone. This is at the beginning of the week, okay? A war zone. Bloodbath in Chicago as 12 people are shot dead and 59 injured in a dozen shootings in just 60 hours over the weekend in the Windy City. This is last weekend, okay? The spate of shootings took place there 5 p.m. on Friday to 5 a.m. on Monday. Paramedics went as far as saying that the city was like a war zone. In just a two-hour stretch, in the early hours on Saturday, 25 people were shot in five different mass shootings. This morning, I had to pen and ink it in because I'd already printed it off yesterday. This morning, this is this weekend, it's um, from Newsmax. Chicago starts weekend with, this is, we're not even halfway through the weekend. Starts it with 20 shooting, 18 shot, or 18 are shot, two are dead, so 20 total. In just a day. Unbelievable. Breaking Israel news. San Francisco bans everything. <laughs> yes. Here are a few things that are effectively, these are the things that are legal, legal in San Francisco drugs public defecation and shoplifting. They won't prosecute them. It's not really legal, but they won't prosecute those crimes. If you have drugs, if you are caught shoplifting, or if you defecate in public, you will not be prosecuted. So they're essentially legal. And some of the things that are banned or will be banned in the city by the bay, straws, fur coats, bottled water, eating at work, vaping liquids, upholstered furniture, plastic bags, pet stores, electric scooters, coffee cups, packing peanuts, tropical fish, and the McDonald's Happy Meal. Banned, you can go to jail if you have any of those or do any of those, but you can poo in the streets. Oh, next article from The Daily Wire. San Francisco city officials are getting nearly 80 poop calls every single day. Help, I've got poop in my sidewalk, come clean it up. 80 a day. Fact check, fact check. Trump says 3.5 million people have been lifted off food stamps. Is it true or not? Fact check checked it. President Trump said in remarks at the White House recently that 3.5 million Americans have been lifted off food stamps. Verdict. True. The number of people receiving SNAP benefits declined by 3.6 million since Trump was elected and 3.1 million since he assumed office. Fact check. Trump appeared to mention that the increase in the number of people receiving SNAP under a bummer. More than 10 million additional Americans had been added to food stamps in past years. There were indeed 10.7 million more SNAP recipients in January 2017, Obama's last month in office, than in January 2009, his first month in office. So up 10.7, down 3.1. There you go. Good job, President Trump, from The Independent. Social media and video games making children regress to mentality of three-year-olds says Top Brain Scientist. This is a Top Brain Scientist. We are ruining our children one video game at a time. A British scientist has warned that social media and video games are negatively affecting children's mental and emotional maturity. Baroness Susan Greenfield, a senior research fellow at Oxford University and former director of the Royal Institution of Great Britain, so she's no dummy, said that the instant gratification offered by devices means children are losing their ability to think for themselves and to communicate. What I predict is that people are going to be like three-year-olds, emotional, risk-taking, poor social skills, weak self-identity, and short attention spans. Baroness Greenfield pointed to a study by Harvard and Princeton universities which showed that students opted to give themselves electric shocks rather than spend 10 minutes alone thinking. They did a study on people and they said you can sit here and think alone and instead they shocked themselves with electricity to get out of that part of the the thing, right? She said that the need for constant stimulation from our environments affects our ability to think. And the author of Mind Change previously warned that new technology may lead children to have lower self-esteem and be more likely to suffer from depression. Her advice to parents is to provide activities which have a beginning, a middle, and an end, such as reading books or playing sport. I will tell you about reading books next week. A friend of mine, Tom, thank you, Tom, very, very much sent me an audio Bible. It's not just an audio Bible. It is... Wonderful. I will get the information and I'll try to remember to tell you about it next week. I started it yesterday on the way to mission work. I got all the way through Genesis uh, 18, I think it was, maybe 19 by the time I got home, okay? At that rate, I'll be done with the Bible in maybe two months. I will have heard the entire Bible, but this isn't just an audio Bible. This has got sounds. It's got actors in the background. Every word is right out of the Bible, but everything, it's just like being in a play, listening to it with your mind. It is literally astonishing. It is, it is the most wonderful audio Bible I've ever heard in my life. It's what? No, it's not the King James. It's uh, I think it's the NIV. Okay. But it, it is a marvelous, marvelous thing that he sent me. I am so grateful for that. And I can't wait. When I finish it, I already put down the date that I started, eight eleven. I just want to see, because I don't drive much. No. I drive very, very little. Yeah. And I will let you, I'll give you all a report on when I got done with that. And I will tell you how long it took. With minimal driving, you can learn the Bible that way okay and I will tell you something when I'm done I'm going to let Hedico listen to it. I'm jealous because I want to just listen to it a second <laughs> time but I'm going to let her do it because she will process it very well you know her little mind is very analytical and she'll come up with all kinds of neat things about it I guarantee it anyway um please I will get all of the information I'll read it to you I meant to bring it today and I forgot but talking about that that is a, a, an activity that has a beginning It has a middle, it has an end, it has a conclusion, a good one. Read your Bible, learn your Bible, stop getting into things that are useless. Video games and all of these crazy prophecy updates that have nothing to do with reality. There are a few good updates on the internet every week and I mean a very limited number of them. Most of them are junk and people send me that stuff and I don't even bother listening to it. I, it, it not going to happen. Be discerning, be wise, but above all, know your your Bible. Get an audio Bible. This is so fun. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, when Cain kills Abel, you can hear the guy getting killed in the background. It's, it, well, no, I'm just saying, you get, you get a reality out of it that you would not otherwise get. When, every, every single person is an individual actor too. It's not one reader. You've got a narrator and then you've got Sarah is one person. You've got Leah is another person. All these people are individual Isaiah pleading for, you know, Father Abraham, where is the uh, the lamb? And Abraham says his own Everything is really well done. It is wow. exceptional. I'll get that for you. Please get it. Please listen to it. Learn your Bible. We'll go on. Um, Reading is particularly good as it gets, uh, gives them better attention span. Reading gives you a better attention span. Instead, they were being bombarded with instant gratification through social media and gaming, which meant that like three-year-olds, they would need something every moment to distract them so that they can't have their own inner narrative, their own inner thought. That's what we're doing is we're destroying the next generation of people by giving them a phone and saying, here, do this so I don't have to deal with you. That's what's happening in this world. From Fox, remember last week the lady in uh, Syria that defended her grandchildren took them all out? we got a lady like that here in America. Grandmother shoots cyclists trying to break into her home, police say. Good job, Granny. Okay, from The Hollywood Reporter, I think most of you have seen this. If you haven't, it's worth repeating. It was such a great thing they did. After being destroyed, Trump's Walk of Fame star multiplies. A crew laminated vinyl stars that looked just like the original and placed them on blank squares in Hollywood. Trump is everywhere now. They tried to get rid of him. He's everywhere. It's great stuff. Okay, got a Lesserick here for you. Games and media is rotting their brain. They don't know to come in from the rain. They should grow, grow up past three and so learn to think free. They need time off their senses to gain. Okay, good job, Les. Okay, got two ironies. I call this funeral procession. From Mail Online, motorcyclist 39 is killed after running into a car that had stopped to let a funeral procession pass before driving forward on a red light. Sad, but it is ironic. And then the next one, Mail Online, not nearly as sad. Dead man stuns a grieving family when he turns up at his own wake after badly burned body is wrongly identified by the police in paraguay now that is ironic and such is the world we live in so from sarasota florida to ulaanbaatar mongolia and our friends over in iligan city the republic of the philippines i'm charlie garrett this is the superior word and that is your prophecy update for the week